I had one lady literally come in and she said, okay, this is what happened. How long am I going to feel this way? And I said, oh my gosh, I love you. You're so cute. There's no time frame. It's different for everyone. I can appreciate that woman and her lack of patience and sense of urgency because (laughs) I'm the guy who stands in front of the microwave watching the Hot Pocket at about 45 seconds. I'm like, come on! (laughs) How long is this going to (laughs) take? Here we are again, coping on that couch with Courtney and Brian. Courtney Kelly is a professional mental health therapist, and I am somebody, Brian Mulhern, who has been a patient for a very long time. And if you listen to our radio show regularly on Cat Country 98.1 in Providence, Rhode Island, or if you've been a longtime listener to the podcast, you may know that a year ago yesterday, and as we tape, it is currently September 17th, I lost my mom to COVID. We covered quite a bit about that at the time, and one of the things that I've been priding myself in over the course of the last year is with all of the tools that I have accrued, Courtney, from the therapy that I've had, from conversations I've had with you, I feel as if I've done a level of Mm self-care that has gotten me through it fairly admirably, and many people have said that, boy, you've really been through a lot. I had some difficult times with my mom before she passed. I did my best to settle all of that with her, and I've just been cruising right along ever since. Well, that was until the night before, which would be September 15th as I'm lying in bed, and I was already in kind of a wacky state. I had a week of vacation the week prior, so I'm still on the vacation clock, and I'm having trouble sleeping, and suddenly it hit me that, oh yeah, tomorrow's the anniversary, and one of the areas that I think I never addressed, and I never really thought about this in particular, was the day itself, which was very involved and quite traumatic. Basically, what happened on that day was I woke up. I had just come back from vacation then, too. I had only been back to work a couple of days. Very early on within the show, I found out that my mom wanted to speak to me one last time. They thought she was at a point that she wasn't going to be able to beat this, so I was scheduled to give her a call as soon as I got out of the building. So I went out to my car in the parking lot, and I'd had a really nice conversation with with her a couple of days prior, and it was just random. She randomly called me, and she said some very sweet things, and I said some very sweet things back to her, but the problem was, since then, she had been on a ventilator, Mm -hmm. and we couldn't speak with her because it was too loud, she couldn't hear us, and if they took her off of the ventilator, she just couldn't breathe and wouldn't be able to have much of a conversation, but things were so dire at this point. I called, they took her off the ventilator, I tried to say something meaningful for about 10 seconds and then I just hear my mom screaming Mm. in agony and then the doctor jumped on and said she can't do this and I thought oh my god this is going to be the last conversation I ever have with my mom and I thought I wish the one from the other day was because I don't want this to be that lasting memory I drive home weighed down by all of that I'm talking to my wife about it my phone rings again it is the doctor and he says your mom wants to come off of the breathing apparatus essentially ending her life and she wants you to be there. We can only have one person because of COVID. She 
wants it to be you. Now, ordinarily, it would have been my dad, Mm -hmm. but my dad was COVID positive at the time, so he could not be there. So then I have to call and break this news to my dad, who is obviously very upset. He still tries to hail Mary Pass, calls the hospital, begs and pleads, can I please come? I already have COVID. She has it. I'm not going to hurt anybody. And they still told him no. So now the other call I have to make is to my younger brother, because I'm thinking, well, why should it be me? And I don't feel right, at least not discussing this with him. So we're having a negotiation about who should be there to watch our mom die. And because of all the therapy I've had, he said, I think you're better equipped. And you and mom had some issues at the end. So I think it'd be better for you. So then they tell me, all right, you have to come in in about four or five hours. Well, now I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting, Mm. emotionally exhausted for this. And I thought, I need to make some arrangements here for my mom and for the family members who can't be there. So my wife comes up with the idea of calling my dad and having my dad leave one last message for my mom because he can't speak with her directly. So basically what we did was we had him call my phone and leave a voicemail for her. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. of course. Just listening to that beautiful thing he had to say about their marriage and their life together Mm -hmm. through tears. It was absolutely heartbreaking. So I saved that, got that ready. I called my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew. I spoke to my stepson, my wife, and I said, I'm going to write some things down for her, and I want you to say whatever the last thing you want her to Mm -hmm. see to be. So I started working on that. I drew this big heart. I put all of our names in it. And Courtney, as all of this is going on, I'm not really processing it on any level. I'm in survival mode. Exactly. And I'm in shock. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that it wasn't impacting me because it was, but I think if you were on the outside looking in, you'd be like, how is this guy keeping it together? Mm -hmm. So now I'm sitting there. I'm playing the waiting game. I drive to the hospital with my wife who has to sit in the parking lot and wait for me. I walk in and I'm thinking, I hope I can get up there in time before she passes. You know, you get that kind of sense of urgency and that anxiety. I go into the lobby. They said they were going to be expecting me. They clearly didn't. There was all kinds of confusion. This is going on for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm starting to jump out of my skin a little bit. And I almost hate to say this, but the only thing I think that got me up there in time was somebody recognized me and said, you're Brian from Cat Country. And I said, yeah. And within minutes, that somehow got me up Mm -hmm. there. And all I could think of was, well, suppose I wasn't. And imagine other people who are going through this horrific thing. I get up there. I can't be in the same room with my mom. I see her and she just looks awful, even on the ventilator, even on the breathing machine. We blew kisses, made hearts with our hands. I asked if they could play the message for her on my phone. They brought my phone in. She listened to my dad's message. And then I asked them, could she record something for my father with the ventilator still on? So I watched them videotape that. They disinfected everything. I gave her the notes. I saw her looking at those. And then finally it began. I'm standing behind very thick glass and I see them take the ventilator off. And what I witnessed in terms of her passing is not something that I would wish on anybody. Very, very traumatic. And even that for as much as I wasn't shocked and in survival mode, it was very, very hard. And I just remember thinking, I can't look away. She's alone. I mean, she wasn't technically alone. She had two wonderful medical staffers with her holding her hands throughout. But 
I just needed to be there for this thing that took over an hour. Mm. And it's one of those things, anytime that you've ever witnessed somebody passing, you get to that point where you're like, just please let go, please let go. You're praying to whatever higher power you believe in, just please take her. You know, she mm-hmm. was such a religious person. And finally it was over and I got back out to the car. Now I'm making the phone calls to dad. Now I'm making the phone calls to my brother, other relatives to let them know what happened. I have to call work. They tell me I can't go into work for two weeks now, which I I felt like I needed that. I needed to keep myself busy because I didn't want to have all this stuff floating around in my head. I feel like that's the worst thing that you can do. And Courtney, I think part of the way that I had dealt with the day, mm-hmm. you know that I keep myself busy constantly, right. almost to a fault. And you tell me sometimes I <laughs> need to go easy <laughs> to on slow that. Down. Yes. But I think that was the one blind spot where that was the thing I was able to bury. And I addressed everything else. I used all of the tools that I had in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I wrote a play about it. I talked to friends about it. I talked to you about Mm -hmm. it. And I just felt like I was doing completely and totally fine. But I think the lesson here in this podcast and dealing with grief this morning is for as much as you think you're fine and for as much work as you can possibly do every once in a while, especially when something like an anniversary hits, and we've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. maybe you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, Yeah. because with anniversaries, it brings up all of the memories, but it also brings up like what you're saying, and it's heart-wrenching what you went through, and you are incredibly strong in being able to just be there and witness that, and like you said, you just wanted to be there for her, but that's tremendously difficult. So not only are you grieving, but of course, during COVID-19, that's also, it's traumatic, everything that we're dealing with in how you couldn't be in there Mm -hmm. to hold her hand. There was all these things that you couldn't do, but you did everything that you could do, but it's traumatic too. Everything that you witnessed her going through in passing, and it's traumatic how everything came about so quickly. You didn't have a lot of time to process. And like you said, you've done a great job with all that you have to be able to come to terms with everything. But I think that when we have anniversaries, people should know and give themselves time to be prepared for that. Because I don't think that you thought that that would come up and hit you like it did because of all the work that you've done and because of all the work that you've done in therapy in general. But I think we definitely need to give ourselves that time and space to process through because when you have anniversaries or sometimes for people, it's a change of season. They start having certain memories of things. They have certain feelings. But a lot of times it is the anniversaries, the birthdays days, that kind of thing that will bring up some of those memories. And for some people, it can be very traumatic. And I wonder if it's quasi-intentionally or subconsciously that for whatever reason, that has been the blind spot for me this year. And I can even tell you what the trigger was to start the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I've been so busy this week coming back from work, trying to play catch up there. We had an event last night that we attended. I was on the board of directors. It's a local radio and TV hall of fame. And I had to be there for that early in addition to the work and everything else that I had to do. So the night before, I'm talking to my dad. And I always talk to my dad every night at 7 o'clock. That's the thing. We always just try to connect. I check in, make sure he's okay. And I just randomly happen to say to my dad, Dad, I don't think I can talk to you tomorrow, not realizing what day it Mm -hmm. was. And he's like, that's fine. And he didn't say anything. Well, no sooner, because again, I'm so busy. Was I back on my computer? Did I get a Facebook message from a friend who said, hey, I'm thinking 
talking about you in regard to tomorrow. And I thought, oh, my God, that is tomorrow. I just said to my dad, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you on that day. So now I feel like it's too late to give him a call and say, you know what? I'm going to check in on Mm -hmm. you. Don't worry. I'm going to make the time. So now I'm tossing and turning thinking about that and thinking about my poor father and me not being able to be there for him on that year anniversary. And Courtney, as the year has gone on, I had hoped that emotionally he'd be getting stronger. Mm -hmm. He'd be handling it better. He's honestly gotten worse. And he's been very strong. I don't want people to Mm -hmm. think that he hasn't been. And he's done the best that he can. And he always says, that's what your mom would have wanted. So that's how I try to honor her. But in having that thought and having that thought of not being able to be there for my dad and feeling guilt about that, I think that's what got me thinking about, well, I was there for my mom, but in some ways I wasn't because I couldn't be there holding her hand Mm -hmm. and all that. And that's when everything just hit me like a tidal wave. And you hit on something there too of the thing of how you wished it could have been Mm -hmm. because I hear that from clients a lot when they are grieving and they get stuck on the certain details. Like, I wish I was in the room when the person passed or I wish that I had said this or all of these different things or even just a small interaction that didn't go the way that they wanted it to go. Their brain kind of fixates on that and keeps rolling that through over and over again. And when you were telling me how you were feeling and all of the things you were thinking, that's what I kept going back to is I deal with this a lot in therapy of trying to help people give them a space to process that and help validate their feelings, but also to help them to see, to try to shift on to other details of the things that went well, that they did right, that they were there for the person and over the lifetime, all of the memories that they have. Our brains tend to try to problem solve on the things that bother us. And unfortunately, it will do that on things that have already happened that we can't change. So we can try to reframe and look at it from different angles and try to also give ourselves some positive self-talk and say, okay, my brain's doing that again, but let me refocus and let me take a few breaths and refocus on another piece of this. But it is difficult and it's almost like it gets stuck and it's hard to fully process it. And the way that I've been trying to deal with that is I try to look at it like an athlete who just lost a really big game. I did everything that I could. Mm -hmm. I left it all out on the floor, as they say, within the limitations that I had that day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that just has to be good enough. But there was carryover into the day yesterday because, I mean, I immediately called my dad as soon as I got out of work to check in on him. I said, Dad, I'm so sorry that I said to you last night I wasn't Mm -hmm. going to talk to you. I just wanted to check in, see how you're doing. I'm going to try to call you a couple of more times today just to see how you are. He had plans to go to the cemetery, and I knew that was going to be a very difficult thing for him. But throughout the day, I couldn't help but beat myself up over this and say, ugh, this lifestyle that I have, oh, this job, and ugh, me overcommitting myself to things where I did everything that I could for my mom. I feel like today, I know I'm doing everything that I can for my dad, Mm -hmm. but it still just did not feel good enough. Right. Do you find that it's hard for you to forgive yourself or to let things go if you've done it or haven't done it the way that you thought you should have? I'm usually pretty good if I give myself time, and that's because of all of the work that I have done. Mm -hmm. But when I did call my dad last night at 10 o'clock as I was leaving the event, and I asked him how he did, he said, not well. Mm -hmm. And he started describing the events of the day. My dad is 80 years old. He uses a walker. He's very frail. He stayed by my mom's side for three and a half hours yesterday, and that takes a lot of effort for Mm -hmm. him. And the thought of him being there by himself without me with him was really getting to me. And then when he explained 
explained one detail in particular. My mom passed at 4.12 p.m. I was sure to look at my phone at the time because I knew that everybody would want to know. I had the wherewithal to do that. So he said to me, as it got to be 4.06, he was sitting on his walker. He has Mm -hmm. a seat on that. And he said, and I laid myself face down on your mom's grave with my face just above the marker that she has. And I was ready to give her a kiss. And then he just started sobbing. He said, at that moment, I wanted to be able to do that, to be able to kiss her name. And the one thing that I was able to grab on, and hopefully it brought him comfort, I've told the story about how when I left the hospital, my wife is sitting out in the car in the parking lot for an hour and a half, not knowing what's going on. And I said to her, mom died at 412. And she said, I know because a butterfly landed on the windshield Mm -hmm. at 412. And I know that was your mom telling me that she was okay. And she wanted me to give you that message. The play that I wrote about my mom passing is called The Butterfly Boys. And it reflects and revolves around that butterfly. So my dad said, as he was laying there at 408, he was four minutes away from having this very emotional moment and wouldn't you know a butterfly flew right past his face at that point and he was sobbing and sobbing and I said dad to me all of these things are more than a coincidence and as a matter of fact I have a very good friend local comedian Frank O'Donnell who lost his daughter years ago in a car crash and he's really struggled with it and the weird thing is he's had a big butterfly tie-in with her and I respect Frank so I had him read my play early and when he saw it was the butterfly boys that stirred up so many emotions in him well wouldn't you know two nights beforehand I get a random message from Frank who was recently on Dateline because he has a butterfly garden in his yard oh wow and he just said to me out of the blue not knowing it was my mom's anniversary hey I have a monarch that's about to come out of the cocoon he said I just want you to know I'm naming it Barbara my mom's name so I said to dad I'm like dad this confluence of things for as upset as you are I really do think this is mom Mm -hmm. trying to tell us that everything is okay and I said I think this year anniversary is going to be the most difficult one for you and I'm hoping you can take some comfort in that and I'm hoping now that the subsequent anniversaries will be better Mm -hmm. and he said I had the longest conversation with your mom that I have had in a year and I just talked about all of the great times that we had together and all the great times we had with you and your brother when you were kids and how grateful I am for all of those things and he said I feel like I got all of that out and tomorrow is going to be a better day and hopefully that means that next year is going to be a little bit better and again that's kind of leaving it all out on the floor just doing the best that you can do and even though you might not consider it a victory it's the best possible result that you can get Mm -hmm. just knowing that you put every ounce of effort into not only taking care of yourself but honoring her. And that's a beautiful thing and that's what I would say too you know when I'm counseling people about what traditions do you want to make and really thinking about all of those memories and just like you said and I know he goes and visits her often Mm -hmm. at the gravesite but that helps give him comfort and to think of those memories and to go back to those happy times and to get it all out he had the tears I'm sure he had some laughs when he thought about you guys growing up and funny things that you guys did and stuff like that or some fury (laughs) (laughs) because we drove them nuts believe you me he had all the emotions yesterday (laughs) but yeah that's the beauty of it is that he's fully present and he's fully embracing where he's at and how he's feeling and I know it's heartbreaking for you to witness that because you want him to feel better. You don't Mm -hmm. want him to be having a hard time, but maybe this is part of how he heals. And I think he's similar. You two are similar. You've said that before. Mm -hmm. Stubborn. (laughs) 
<laughs> Stubborn. But also similar in the way of maybe you're task oriented. Okay, mm-hmm. we need to do this, this, yes. this. Okay, now we've got that piece all set. Okay, let's go on to this one. And both of you had been doing better than we all thought with going through all of this. Such a trauma, such a loss, such grief, such devastation. But yet you're both trying to get through it right now with this one year anniversary. Things have come to you that you didn't compartmentalize or you didn't think was going to come up on you like this and that you're having to deal again. Grief comes in waves and we need to give ourselves that patience and that time and that space to be able to process. And another way in which we are similar, that whole work ethic thing that I Mm -hmm. told you about and just keeping myself busy, that was my dad. My dad, for a stretch, would get up at three in the morning to deliver newspapers to try to have some extra money to put my brother and myself Mm -hmm. through college. Then he would go work a nine to five. He was very active in youth sports. So then he'd be on a ball field until eight o'clock and then he'd come home and spend whatever time he could with us and then do it all over again the next day. So as I was thinking to myself, well, I am keeping busy yesterday with work and the event and all this other stuff that I have going on. All I could think about was him sitting by himself, no longer working. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point when you retire, you go from a thousand miles an hour to zero miles an hour. And here's this poor guy forced to be at zero with nobody being able to be there with him to give him that support. And that was difficult for me. But I tried to tell myself we have a memorial mass for my mom this weekend. We can all be together. Mm -hmm. Then last week when I was on vacation, I tried to do as much as I could with him. Took him to lunch. Took him to a ball game. The ball game, yeah, yeah. And gave him a big VIP experience Mm -hmm. there. And like I said, you just do as much as you possibly can do and you try to be okay with that. Yeah, you're making new memories. You're bonding with him. And the thing is, Brian, too, you're very open with him. Some people have a hard time with grief to the fact of they don't even want to talk about the person they lost or they want to edit everything and they don't give another person the freedom to have that space. I know it's heartbreaking, but I think it's a beautiful thing that you two, both of you, have been able to check in with each other. How are you feeling? Are you having a good day today? What's going on? And be there for each other in that way. And I think that is the biggest part that's healing because life is hard. There's a lot of parts of it that are very painful. But through this, I think you and your father have had a deeper, closer bond. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. It's like, oh, wow, you two are really there for each other and really understanding each other on a level that you hadn't in a long time. And my father has a level of eloquence and a way with words, Mm -hmm. something else that I got from him. And I'm so glad that he does have that, because if I tried to find comfort by having a conversation with him and if he threw up the wall and if he shut it down, that would have me wondering, well, what is he going through? And Mm -hmm. it would drive me crazy in those directions. So there is definitely some value to that for as difficult as some of it may be to hear and to sit there and see him cry or listen Mm -hmm. to that on the phone. In some ways, for as odd as it might sound, it is a gift. Yeah, it is better that way in the way of being closer to someone, being honest, knowing that you can be honest with him as well, that you don't have to kind of cover up how you're feeling. That deepens the relationship. Yes, it is harder on the surface because it's like, oh my gosh, you've really got to go there with the feelings. But that's a beautiful thing that you all are embracing that. Well, what do we say about therapy all the time? The only way to get better is to rip some scabs Mm -hmm. off that didn't heal correctly, to Mm -hmm. go through some pain. Why do you think there are boxes of Kleenex in therapist's office? Mm -hmm. You got to have some really, really difficult conversations because that is the necessary thing to be able to process all of this stuff. If you are me and you're just going to work every day and you're not thinking about the enormity of that horrible day that I went through with my mom Mm -hmm. and never really process it directly, which is why I wanted to talk about it here. In some ways, it's therapeutic for me to 
live that day and to share it with other people mm-hmm. and say, hey, here's what I'm learning from this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way that I can not only help myself, but help other people, pay tribute to my mom, point out how strong my dad has been. Yeah. All of those things I know are good for me. That's how you find meaning, too, in the world. That's how you're able to kind of process it and say, okay, and find the deeper meanings. And you know that about yourself. So it's really important to honor that, the things that are important, our values, because that is how we get through things. And that is how we have a well-lived life is knowing that you look deeper and that's just who you are. And I don't know if there's an afterlife and I don't know if mom's looking after us or watching down on us. And I like to think with the butterflies, maybe that Mm -hmm. is the case. But another thing that I take away from all of this is if she can see all of this and she sees the time that my dad and I are spending together having these conversations, she would love nothing more. Oh, yes. You'd be making her very happy. I'm sure she's very happy right now because when she sees the two of you together and just sharing and helping, even you just like helping him, because I know he's had his difficulties with pain issues and Mm -hmm. physical issues and stuff like that, I'm sure. And you're just very tender with him and understanding and patient. And I'm sure that's just making her very, very happy. I make a lot of boxed wine runs (laughs) for the man. Oh, yeah, that's right. You hook him up with wine. I mean, you know, you're a really good son there, Brian. Last night, as I was driving home, I said, how many glasses of wine are you? And he said, two. I said, I think you can have a third (laughs) (laughs) tonight. He consults with you about where I'm at with how many glasses of wine. It's unsolicited (laughs) advice from an Irishman who had just come from an event where I had a few pops myself. You you have a couple pops at an event, yeah. So, Courtney, I guess if we're going to wrap a big, giant bow on all of this, if you could give some general advice to Mm -hmm. people who might be struggling with this, especially how to identify areas within which maybe you think you're fine and you've addressed everything. Is there a way to just check in with yourself to maybe find those spots that you haven't explored as much as you thought? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why, like you had pointed out, when people are running at 80 miles an hour and they're just running around doing all these things, it's hard for us to really know how we're really doing. So the first thing is to slow down, to allot some time to think on things. For some people, it's journaling. For some people, it might be exercising, taking a walk, and just giving yourself some time to think and see what's coming up for you. There may be some feelings that are coming up that need to be processed and need to be healed. And especially if you've gone through some loss, especially if it's traumatic loss, like we've been talking about, I think it's important to take that time. And we all have to have that acceptance and getting through this. But if you're having a problem and you're getting stuck on things, or if it's interfering with different parts of your life or your functioning, or if you're having a big depression, a lot of people, they just get sucked into this depression. That is a time to really seek some professional help. And even if you're feeling like you're getting through it okay, but you're having some questions, reach out and talk to a therapist and see if maybe you just need a few sessions to process and get a handle on some coping skills and just have that validation that it's okay. It's normal. And it takes a while to go through grief. Unfortunately, some of my clients, I had one lady literally come in and she said, okay, this is what happened. How long am I going to feel this way? And I said, oh my gosh, I love you. You're so cute. There's no time frame. It's different for everyone. But for some people going to groups, hospice runs groups, grieving groups. There's all sorts of groups online for help. For some people, just having that validation that other people have gone through these losses really makes us feel better. For other people, it's therapy. For other people, it's volunteer work. There's all sorts of ways to get some help around this and get some, I don't want to say closure, but to get some acceptance and be able to move on and move through your life. But really, it can be helpful to sit with a therapist and figure out what way is best for you. I can appreciate that woman and her lack of patience and sense of urgency because (laughs) I'm the guy who stands 
in front of the microwave watching the Hot Pocket <laughs> at about 45 seconds. I'm like, come on! <laughs> How long is this going to take? <laughs> Aren't you done already? <laughs> exactly. When she did that, I said, oh my gosh, this is so honest. And this is so what people think, I think, when they come into therapy. Like, could you just give me a little time frame here so that we know when I'm done working on these issues? But like I said, with grief and grief is so difficult, people want to know, when am I not going to feel like this? But you will feel better. There's still sadness and there's still going to be cycles and times that you go through things and it comes in waves, but you can get through it. It's just figuring out what kind of resources you need and supports around you. There's not a one size fits all solution to any problem because it really does depend on the individual. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, there's not a handbook that says to, okay, by the time we hit this, you're going to start feeling this way. But there is this, if you're willing to put the work in, Mm -hmm. you will get there. When, in some ways that is up to you, but you've got to put that work in and sometimes you got to rip the bandaid off. You will discover so much about yourself and so much about what you need to heal and to get through things because you're being honest. You're giving yourself that time and space. Imagine if you're sitting with a best friend and every time they want to talk about something, you were like, you know what? I'm too busy. I got to go do this, this, this. Oh, I got to run over here. Well, that's what we do to ourselves. Certain things come up in us and our mind, our body, how we feel, different trauma responses, they come up in us so that we can get a better understanding of how to heal ourselves. It's great to be busy and to have distractions because we don't always want to sit in that. We can't always sit in that. But if we're never taking time to sit and examine that and really feel it and figure out what we need to do about that, or even just to witness it, just to have a space to witness it, just like a friend who wants just their pain to be witnessed and validated, then what are we telling ourselves? We keep shutting ourselves down. And then that's why at a certain point, our body will start working against us and things are not working correctly because we never shed that light and gave ourselves that space to heal. And I think it's important too to recognize potentially unhealthy triggers. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the video that I had them shoot of my mom saying goodbye to my dad. It is something that I have saved and it is something that my dad, my brother, and myself Mm -hmm. have never watched. And to be honest with you, I don't think we ever will. Mm -hmm. I know I don't have the stomach for it because I have it stored in my Dropbox. And every single time I have to go in there for something else, I forget it's there. And there's a screen grab of her Mm -hmm. sitting there. And every time I see it, it just sucks me right back into that room. So I try to gird myself in that way and say, all right, try to look away from Mm -hmm. the screen and hopefully not see that. But it's about recognizing those things too. Don't intentionally hurt yourself. Right, right. Because not all of that is going to make you feel better. Just recognize the healthy way to do that Mm -hmm. and some of the unhealthy ways Of course. And if there's things that are triggering to you, thinking about ways that you can minimize that, I think it's comforting for you to know that it's there if you want to watch it or if you Mm -hmm. need to, but maybe putting it in a place where you will not unintentionally look and see it. So that way there, you know it's there if you want to, but that you don't get that feeling and that Mm -hmm. jolt every time you're looking for something else and it pops up. That's an indication of, okay, maybe I should move that somewhere else to a location that I'm not going to see that all the time. Maybe I'll put it in the program director's office, a place that I avoid as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be our boss, by the way. Hi, Kevin. How are you? We love our boss. It's just the air checks that, you know. (laughs) Well, Courtney, this has been very productive, very cathartic for me. I hope it has helped some other people. And in terms of people who may be going through some similar struggles, Mm -hmm. if they want to contact you for further advice, how can they do that? Sure. You can always email me, wellness at wctk.com. And we do a weekly feature on CatCon. Country.com called Wellness Wednesdays. 
updates. You can always go to catcountry.com, listen to previous episodes, and we have resources there too. You can also pop in on us via the socials at Cat Country Mornings. A lot of spots. We have individual pages. Courtney with the C, Kelly EY, or Courtney Kelly Bedard. I, Brian Mulhern. Brian with an I, and Mulhern is H E R N. And don't forget to tell people about this podcast. The more people that hear what we have to say, and the more people we can nudge into getting better and getting into therapy, the better. That's the whole yeah, reason absolutely. why we do this. And of course, you can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and let them know too those smart devices. Mm-hmm. I may not be a smart podcast co-host, but I can still get on a smart device somehow. (laughs) (laughs) He gets himself right in there. Courtney, (laughs) thank you for helping me cope. Absolutely. Let's do it again next week. What do you say? We shall. And thanks for listening. (laughs) 